Good morning again, and I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. We're going to turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, this morning here, just a couple of days before Christmas. First of all, I want to, on behalf of myself and the staff, I want to thank you all very much for your generosity with our our Christmas gift that you gave us this year, and uh, I think Nick, they're out of town, but Sharon, myself, John, and and others there, Shelly, just thank you so much, and It's hard to believe that it's been almost a year. I think it was the second week in in January is when I came to preach, kind of in view of a call to come to Cornerstone. So it's been almost a year that I've been here. It's been a blessing getting to know the staff members, everybody here, and uh, hopefully it it just keeps right on and going. So uh, it's been a good year, and and I just want to thank you for that. But as we kind of come to Christmas, there's lots of things, you know, that if you're going to preach a sermon on Christmas, there's lots of stuff. Tomorrow night, we're going to, during the candlelight service, we're going to go through the Christmas story and look at parts, even a little bit of what I'm going to look at today. But uh, I guess as I've become a husband and I've become a father, I'm kind of drawn a little bit to Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. He's kind of, in some ways, the forgotten man of the Christmas story. The Bible, when it records, you know, what it records about Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, he doesn't say a word. There's not a word that's recorded. I guess that's, he's like a typical guy, doesn't have a lot to say there. There's not much in there, but uh, there's also, I've always wondered, there's not a lot of songs. I don't even know if there is a Christmas song about Joseph. I mean, we have Mary, Did You Know, and I mean, the angels, there's all sorts of songs about angels and Jesus and the wise men, but there's no Joseph song that I know of, and maybe maybe we should write one of those, a Joseph song, but... Joseph's life is really, for the most part, contained right here in the account of the birth of Christ. There's one account in the the Gospel of Luke of when Jesus is a little bit older, uh, um, that Joseph is still around. But when it comes to the ministry and, and the bulk of the life of Jesus, we don't read anything about Joseph. And most people feel that's because he's dead. They don't think he survived to see the ministry of his son and see the fulfillment of everything that's promised him here at the beginning. And uh, as I think of Joseph, I think as a father, how difficult it must have been for him raising the Son of God. I mean, the whole Jesus didn't sin part would be cool. I mean, as a dad, the fact that he was perfect and you didn't have to deal with too many issues with him, I'm like, hey, there you go. That part wouldn't be so bad. But at the other part, I always think back then for a father, you, your, your son was going to follow in your footsteps and your vocation. I mean, that's just what, the way it worked. Whatever you did for a living, that's what your child pretty much was going to do. And Joseph was a carpenter. I mean, that was his line of work. And I always thought as he aged, you know, he's going to try and teach Jesus how to build something. Jesus created the world. You know, he spoke the world into existence. So there you got Joseph with like, this is a hammer. And this is a nail. And Jesus is like, yeah, you know, I say things and the whole universe appears. So thanks for showing me. You know, how do you teach him anything? And I just said, okay, I don't, I got nothing. You know, I just, it have to be difficult to be the earthly father of the son of God. And what a responsibility. And uh, I also think of Joseph as, as typical as, a, as I, I think he's probably young. We don't really know how old he is. He's just going along in life. He's, he's got wife or soon-to-be wife. We'll talk about that here in a minute. He's, he's probably picturing what his life is going to be. He's got a job. He's there living in town, going along. Everything is just going along smoothly. And then all of a sudden, this happens. 
And I'm sure, I'm, I know for a fact, he didn't expect this. Nobody expects that your, your soon-to-be wife is going to give birth to the Son of God. But God steps into Joseph's life and radically changes it. And how does he respond? How does Joseph react to that? And I always, as I'm, I'm thinking of this and I'm reading through the account of Joseph, I think of my own life, our own lives, as we go along day in and day out, we become creatures of habit. We get used to how things are supposed to go along and work in our lives. How do we deal with it when God steps into our perfect little existence and changes things? How do we respond? How should we respond? And I think of, of Joseph, just this, this is pretty much all that we read about this man's life. It's a great example of how we should respond. When God, in his supernatural way, just steps into our lives and says, listen, I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to put somebody in your path. I'm going to put some uh, a difficulty or something that's going to kind of disrupt your life in your path, a chance for you. How are you going to respond? Joseph shows us how to do it. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning in the honor of God's word in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read beginning in verse 18 through the end of the chapter. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this account, Lord, just to know a brief glimpse to how you came to this world. And Lord, just to look at some of the lives of those that were there when you came, and some of the people that you and your eternal providence chose to be a part of this event. And Lord, as we look at Joseph, Lord, I pray that we see a man whose principles and ideals we can follow when you step into our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. So Joseph is, is going along, cruising along. Everything seems to be just fine. God steps into his perfect little life and changes things. And as we see this, this change take place in Joseph's lives, there's, there's a few things that we can, can garner, things that we should remember when God steps into our lives and changes our plans and shakes things up a bit. And the first that we notice is to remember our compassion, to remember compassion. It says there in the first couple of verses, it just, that really just describes that Joseph comes to find out that his, his wife, or we'll talk about this, his betrothed wife is, is pregnant. And then his response, how he reacts to this news. 
Now, it says there that he was, that, that, uh, he was going to divorce her. He resolved to divorce her quietly. But if you go down to verse 25, it says there he knew her not or they hadn't consummated the marriage. And so to understand what's going on, you have to understand a little bit about the first century. In the first century, the way a marriage would work, there'd be a man and a woman and they would, they're going to get married. Now, we in our culture, you know, he gets on one knee and proposes. And a lot of that happens this time of year. I watch football and every other commercial is some sort of jewelry thing. He went to Jared, you know, those things. But back then, when you were betrothed, you were legally married, but you didn't consummate the marriage. The husband then went and kind of built the house. He took care of the things that needed to ta- he needed to take care of to be a husband and a father. There's parallels. I don't have time this morning to get into it about Jesus and, and going into heaven, preparing a place for us and all of that. But that that's what's going on here. So Mary and Joseph are betrothed. They're going to be married. They're, they're together legally, but they haven't, haven't consummated the marriage. And so during this period, Joseph finds out Mary's going to have a baby. And I've always wondered, because it doesn't really tell us, how that conversation went. I mean, we don't know. We don't know if, if she just said, I'm not even going to bother to try and explain this. I'm just going to tell him, hey, or, or, or how did he, you know, take it? Did, it? did he, like, you know, seriously, that's, that's your story, you know, what it is. But he gets this news. And, I mean, it's a sucker punch to him. It have to be. No matter how she explained, no matter how it comes, all of a sudden everything that he had set his life towards is now going up in smoke. First of all, it's just the betrayal. I mean, in his mind, this is his, the, the woman that he loves. He's going to spend the rest of his life with, and she has betrayed that. On top of that, there's the embarrassment. I mean, this is a small community. Everybody knew everybody. I'm sure there's lots of times don't change that much, lots of gossip, this, that, back and forth. And so there he is kind of every time he walks out in public and he sees people and they kind of whisper, he knows it's about him. And, and everything that he had planned gone and there he is in this particular situation what's he going to do to this woman who has betrayed him now it says here and this is an important part about this whole section her husband joseph was a just man and was unwilling to put her to shame so he's going to divorce her quietly he did have to go through the legal proceedings of divorcing he had every right to actually have her dragged to the center of town and be stoned to death. She had betrayed him, and he could do that, but he decides not to do this. And what I find interesting is that God doesn't actually let him in on what's going on until after he's made this decision. God could have done the same thing to Joseph that he did with Mary, approach him and said, hey, listen, she's going to show up here in a couple of days, tell you she's having a child. But God doesn't tell Joseph until after he hears the news and he has to make some sort of decision about how he's going to treat his wife. And he treats her with compassion. When I read this, it reminds me of the account of Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. You remember that story? The Pharisees bring a woman, she's caught in the very act of adultery, and they throw her down in front of Jesus, and they say to him, the law says because of what she is doing, she should be stoned to death, she should be killed. And the Pharisees, they don't care at all about this woman. All they want to do is catch Jesus. They want to trip him up. 
because if Jesus says, you're right, she should be stoned to death, that is what the law says, then guess what? I mean, all of these people that have been following Jesus, they're going to say, he's just like everybody else. He doesn't care about anybody. But if Jesus says, no, we shouldn't stone her to death, they're going to call him a lawbreaker. They think they've got him. And of course, we remember what Jesus did. He kneels down and he starts writing in the ground. And he starts, you know, who knows what he writes, but he stands up and he says, what? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And of course, Jesus knew that if she was caught in the very act of adultery, they're one person short. There should be somebody else there that was with her. A lot of people think it was probably one of the guy's friends, you know, one of them. But they didn't care about any of that. All they cared about was trying to trip him up. And since Jesus called them out, they began to drop the rocks one by one, oldest to the youngest, and they walk away. And, of course, Jesus says to her, he doesn't say, you're fine. He says, listen, no one's here to condemn you. Go and sin no more. Hey, you're, they're right. You're doing something you shouldn't do, but you should, you got to quit. Now, I think sometimes just one of those things you ponder, I wonder if Jesus remembered what his earthly father had done with his mom. I'm sure throughout his life, somewhere along the line, this story was shared with Jesus That dad didn't know about you and and everything about how you came into this world until after he had to make a decision. And Jesus, your dad had compassion. He wasn't going to do what he could have done to me. And I wonder sometimes, Jesus, when he saw that woman there, if there was a thought of how often we can, what his dad did with his mom and what could transpire in life. Now, Jesus is the son of God. He doesn't need to be trained anything that way. But it's just a, a thing to think about. Joseph had compassion. His world had been rocked, but even at that point, when everything, he'd been betrayed by his wife, everything like that, he still had compassion. And it makes me, as, as, as I live my life and I begin to kind of get things in the way I want them to go and, you know, everything's going in the order I think it should go and God steps into my life and puts a person in my path or something else, do I have compassion? Do I think just of myself? And how this interferes with what I want, how this interferes with where I'm going, how this interferes with with my money and my time, or do I look at the person and have compassion? And what about you? Do you have compassion? Or are you just about what you should get? Joseph has compassion. And then God speaks to him, sends an angel to him. Brings us to point number two in that how do we handle it when God changes our plans? We remember to be open to God's providential assistance. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just throw us out there. He gives us some assistance. What does the angel say? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in dream. And the angel tells him a few things. He says, Joseph, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. And of course, there's the commentary there on the prophecy in the Old Testament. And so this angel comes along to say, listen, Joseph, I mean, you've been sucker punched, but here's what's going on. And God steps into our lives, changes our plans. There's some things he gives us. His providential assistance means, listen, God doesn't just change things up in our lives and we're left out there on our own. And there's a few things from this passage that we learn about how God helps people out, helps us out when things are tough. The first thing is he gives us people. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, you're going to have a companion to go through this with. 
It's going to be difficult for you, Joseph. Yes, the people are going to whisper. They're going to say things about you and think things about you. And, but they're also going to say that about Mary. The two of you will have each other. Every year, most every year, my wife and I watch a, a movie that came out a while ago called The Nativity, which you can probably figure out what it's about. It's about Mary and, and Joseph and, and the account. Now, there's some historical issues with it, but it's still a pretty good movie. And one of the things that my wife and I, we talk about is, is they have to have, you know, the journey to Bethlehem. And it's these two young people, teenagers, and they're making this long trek and how they're just starting to, to come together. They're starting to, to you know, relate to each other and, and talk about what's going on. And I can only imagine throughout their lives as they're raising Jesus, how many times they talked about their son. You know, remembering the prophecy, remembering what the angels had told them about, watching him grow up, wondering, daydreaming, what's it going to be? How's it going to turn out? What's it going to be like with our son? And they could have each other as they, you know, had to go to Egypt. They had to travel all over the, the, the world that they knew at that time because of what God had done in their lives. And it makes me think as, as God changes things up in my life that he puts people in my life to help me. I had no belief that I would be a pastor. That was not on my radar at all. I'm not like one of those guys at 13 that just said, yes, I'm going to be a pastor. I was in my mid-20s, and I was managing hotels. I was, I was okay, and then I just I, I felt, God, this is the way he's leading me. And all of a sudden, there were people in my life, people at my church, older men that I could talk to, that, that some guys in the ministry that could share with me, and, and I could talk to them about what it's like. And when God changes our plans, when things come into our lives that we're not too sure about this. Look around this room. These are the people that God has given you to help you out. In addition to the, the people that he provides, he provides a little bit of a plan. The very end, he tells Joseph this little tidbit about who Jesus is. You'll call his name Jesus, and then he says this. He'll save his people from their sins. That's it. Not how he's going to save their people. Not when. Not in what capacity. Just this is what's going to happen, Joseph. Gives them that little bit of a plan, that little bit of a picture in the future. Now, here's the thing, and I mentioned this at the very beginning. Joseph probably never sees this. He dies before the ministry of Jesus begins. So imagine Joseph. He gets this little bit of information from the angel, and he goes about raising up his son or adopted son, Jesus. All the while thinking, all right, he's going to save these people from their sins. How's he going to do that? And the whole time he's watching, he's just basically becoming a carpenter. He's learning how to build houses. And we don't know how old Joseph or Joseph was when he died or how far along Jesus was when Joseph died. But he never sees him cast out demons. He never sees him heal people. He never sees him raise people from the dead. He never sees him die on the cross and rise from the dead. All he has as he lives his life, as he goes along, is looking at his son saying, I remember this promise. And so I'm going to live raising this child the way I should. And it speaks to us as we live our lives that God has given us a promise that his son shall return. That the gospel, he died on the cross, rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven. And that one day we have a future in heaven. He doesn't tell us when. He doesn't necessarily tell us how, although there's lots of people that have lots of opinions on that one. He just says it's going to happen. And how are you going to live in the meantime? Now, some of us may be around to see it all take place. A lot of us are probably not going to be around. But will we remain faithful? 
Joseph, I believe, he remains faithful. He raises up his son, even though he never sees what the angel promises him. Lots of times as things, you know, bump into our lives, as our, our, our best laid plans kind of get taken awry by God and we lose a job or God puts some people in our lives that, that make our lives a little difficult, relationships or whatever, and life can become tough. But we cling to that promise and we say, I know what Jesus Christ, he's coming back. I know his gospel, so I'm going to live in light of that. Whether I'm here to see it or I die before it happens, I'm going to remain obedient. I'm going to remain faithful. That's what we see with Joseph. Now you get to the final point. You get down to verse 25, 24 and 25. Joseph wakes up from his sleep and he does what the angel commands him. He takes his wife. Then it says, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. And it gets to our final point and we, how we handle it when God changes our plans. We remember the sacrifice of obedience. The sacrifice that comes along with this. And here, there's just one picture of it. There's lots of things, but just to illustrate it, he knew her not until after the birth of the child. I mean, you can imagine, he's a young guy. This is his wife-to-be, and now he's got to, to wait to, you know, be with his wife. That's not easy on a young guy that's looking forward to this. But that's the call of God on his life. And it's just one point of all of the various ways God has called him to sacrifice. Can't be with his wife. They have to travel to Bethlehem. He has to go there with a very, very, very pregnant wife. Once they get there, there's no room at the inn. Gives birth in a stable. And not long after that, they have to get up and take flight to Egypt. He's not from Egypt. He has to go and be in this this country that he knows nothing about. That's not easy, is it? That's not something that he had any plans of before this dream that he has. But he does it. He sacrifices. And it's a picture that we see throughout the Bible. That those that follow God, when God steps into their life, there is just a lot of sacrifice that goes along with it. Think of Noah. God steps into Noah's life. He's just going along. Everything's okay. And then God says, listen, I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. I'm going to save you and your family, but I'm going to take out everything else. He's got a plan, just like he has here with Joseph. He gives him some people, his family members. Noah preaches. He has compassion, but there's still a sacrifice, isn't there? I mean, Noah had extended family members. I'm sure he had friends, and they're all going to die. Abraham, he had Lot that went with him. He had his family members that traveled with him when God gave him the promise to go to a foreign land and I'll make you into a great nation. That's all he had, that little bit of information. He goes. He has a few people with him, but think of the sacrifice. Think of everything he left behind. Talk about Moses, constant complaining as a leader, the sacrifice of he had a coup attempt on his life. David was promised to be the king. And for over a decade... He was hunted down like a dog. We see Joseph, we see Paul, we see uh, uh, Peter, we see all of the disciples. Shipwrecked, thrown in prison, beaten, starved, left for dead. We see Christ. He came and he lived an absolutely perfect life, but the sacrifice was to die on the cross for the sins of all humanity. Sometimes when we share the gospel, we forget this part. In our, our quest to try and not allow people to think that the, 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 our way into heaven, our way to be righteous before God is through good works, 
we, we don't really ever get to the point of the sacrifice. Jesus said, whoever lays down his life for me, for my sake and the gospel's sake, the last shall be first. Remember what he said to his disciples, right? Or what he did for his disciples. He washed their feet. He spent those last few hours before his crucifixion instilling in them, listen, this is what it's going to be. Before he ascends into heaven, he looks at Peter and he says, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And then he tells him, listen, when you were younger, you used to go where you wanted to go. But soon, you're not going to go where you want to go. You're going to be taken where you don't want to be because you're going to be executed. You're going to be killed for my sake. We forget to tell people, listen, when you come to Christ, yes, it's heaven. Yes, it's the future blessing of God. Yes, it's all of those things, but it's also a life of sacrifice. It's a life of stepping back and opening ourselves up to basically saying, listen, God at any point that he wants to can step into our lives and radically change them. Now, as I think about this as it applies to Christmas time, just this week, this is a unique week, isn't it? I mean, all of us, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to be places that you aren't normally. You're going to see people that you don't normally see. You might be sitting beside people that you don't normally sit with right now. They're going to be in your house today, or you're going to be in theirs maybe, or tomorrow or the next day. And What are you going to do if God places some people in your life that, well, would disrupt it? That might end up costing you money, taking your time, upsetting the, the perfect little existence that you have because, well, they're, they're, as we learned last week from Sean, they're the crazy Mike across the street. They're the people that you'd rather just kind of ignore. You've kind of just say, you know what, if they stay over there, stay out of my life, I'll be good. Or are you going to let your life be disrupted? Are you going to have compassion? Or are you just going to look and say, how does this frustrate my plans? Some of you, those little cards that you tear off, the worship guide where you can put down prayer requests, there's some things you need to pray about in your life. You're going through some difficult things. God has provided people around you to to pray for you. I have moments where, you know, my my tendency is to keep things in, to just try and mull it over myself, and I realize i got to be more like Joseph and Mary and share things, and we need to share things with each other about what's going on in our lives. But i got to remember the sacrifice. It's easy not just at Christmas, but throughout the year to just kind of put our lives on cruise control and when little disruptions come in, handle them as quick as we can and get back to just doing what I want to do. But Joseph didn't. He accepted God stepping into his life and he did what he was called to do. I want you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes before we go. We're going to have a little brief time of prayer. I believe the musicians are going to come up. We are going to sing a final song here in just a few minutes. But I mentioned just a moment ago that a lot of you probably have Christmas events with family members or friends. You're going to have some gatherings still this last week. Not just that, but after Christmas as it comes to New Year's, you're going to have lots of people come into your life. Lots of opportunities to have your routines disrupted. And a lot of times it's easy to just kind of ignore the ignore the distractions or to try and get past them as quick as we can to get back to what we want to do. And so I just want you to spend a moment praying, saying, God, can you open my heart to the people that you're going to place in my life this week?
the events that are going to take place this week, the people that may be hurting or that may, well, disrupt your plans. And ask God this week to make you aware of those people, make you aware of those events. And then to give you the strength, first of all, to listen to those that come into your life, to hear their stories, to hear their hurts, and to to sacrifice, to do what God has called you to do, to to maybe give up a day to be with somebody or or to, to travel further than you'd like to travel or to spend some money that you'd rather not spend to try and help somebody out. But to listen to God this week as he maybe will step into your life in the odd situation with the odd person and say, yes, I'm here, I'm available, and I'm ready. So spend just a moment and, and, and pray and ask God to speak to you. Lord, this morning, just my own life, I confess the, the, the times where I get caught up in my own kingdom I get caught up in my own world. And Lord, I'm not even really paying attention to who and, and what you put in my way. And Lord, too often I try to, to, to manage it as quickly as I can. And Lord, I pray this morning for myself and for any others in here that we would be aware of those times where you step into our, our perfectly little maintained world and you say, listen, I have different plans for you. Lord, when it came to Mary, when it came to Joseph, They had their little world planned out, and you sent them a baby. Lord, in in a scandalous, scandalous way, a way that would disrupt their lives forever. And Lord, I pray that if you call that in our lives, that we would be faithful. Lord, that we would show compassion, and we would sacrifice. Lord, I thank you for your son. I thank you that you came. I thank you for your birth. And Lord, I thank you that it led to your death and your resurrection. Lord, I thank you at this time of year that we can focus on that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.